You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Education is about developing, empowering people so that they can be their best selves, that they can help their communities to grow, that they can build wealth. We have not been given a fair chance to build wealth, to build that wealth, and that is education. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Oh my goodness, guys, you don't even want to know who I have in the chair today. Dr. Liz Longsworth. She's an academic leader with over 25 years experience in academia and business in Jamaica, the British Virgin Islands, Belize, Barbados. She has been a multilingual lecturer, not only in English, but also in Spanish and has trained hundreds across the Caribbean and the United Kingdom. She is passionate about community and at-risk youth. She's an active member on several community boards throughout the Caribbean, and she is the principal and pro-vice chancellor for the University of the West Indies Open Campus, literally touching close to 20,000 lives every year within the region. Dr. Lungsworth, it is an honor and privilege to have you on the show. Thank you, Monique. I think the honor and privilege is all mine. I'm so excited to be here with you. Likewise, likewise. So I typically like to get started by asking my guests the fun question. Okay. And most of my guests are, are world travelers just like you. And so if you could choose anywhere in the world that you would want to be, where would you choose to be and why? Well, let me say, Monique, that I would choose to be right here, right now. The world that we have now is such that you have to just, just be so grateful for the moment and the space that you are in right now. So, you know, yes, we can dream that I'd love to be, you know, um, in Paris or I could be in Venice, places I'd love to go to Vienna. I've never been but I am so grateful for this moment, for, for this experience with you, that I would rather be nowhere else. But wow. Here. <laughs> you know what? And that is amazing because it speaks to the power of presence. And just really, that's something I feel so many of us can really hone in and practice on, just thinking and being present in that moment. Wow. So Dr. Longsworth, you have pretty much dedicated your whole life to education. You've, you've held some of the highest roles in academia and you're 
you're practically leading the way in a lot of areas, not just in the traditional form, but maybe like the mobile delivery of your classes, really, really committed to helping individuals. And prior to our conversation, we were talking about something really innovative that you had focused on several years ago before the world had even caught on. I'm going to talk, talk about that a little bit, but my question is always when I see people like you who are leading the charge, very progressive, using technology, leading the way in terms of virtual management, my thought is always, how did this individual develop like this? What were some of your influences? How did you develop such a progressive mindset? Well, you know, it always starts with your childhood and it always starts at home. The, the key thing is that I have a passion for people and I have a passion for community. And I inherited that from my mother and my grandmother. And my mother was a businesswoman. And even though she was a businesswoman, her passion was for the people who worked with her and their development and their growth and their prosperity. And so that is the, the foundation of, of a passion for education because that's what education is supposed to be about. It is about developing, empowering people so that they can be their best selves, that they can help their communities to grow, that they can build wealth, whether it is monetary wealth or it is spiritual wealth or it is community wealth. And that is the passion that drives you in education. And so when I, when I was growing up, you know, I actually, Monique, I actually wanted to be an actress and a singer Did you? <laughs> and a model and a dancer all at the same time, right? And then with the languages, I moved to wanting to be an interpreter for the United Nations. But when I went to university and I went to the University of the West Indies in Jamaica, I was just blown away by two things, just the knowledge production, just the the wealth of discussion, opening your eyes to things that you hadn't seen before. And of course, this was in the 70s when we were all becoming so aware of our history, our heritage, our, our, our battles. And I looked at my professors and I thought, when I grow up, I want to be like them because I'd sit in the class and I would just be just mesmerized by this new world that they were opening up for me. So that is when I decided to go into, into teaching. But I did balance a little bit of business based on my family's um, business sense with teaching throughout my career. But teaching, interacting with young people or old people, whoever wants to learn, has been the most rewarding thing that I have done in my entire life. Apart wow. from having my own children, of course. <laughs> Definitely. As a parent, I can, I can really relate to that too. So what I love about what you said was really this whole purpose of education is about building wealth, no matter what that wealth is, spiritually, emotionally, um, knowledge-wise. And that's a viewpoint or a perspective I hadn't really thought of in terms of just building wealth all around. Now, when you talked about this love you fell into with the history and just learning about, you know, cultures back in the 70s, 
I think that there's a connection here that I want to bring a parallel to about what we're facing in the world right now. Um, I currently live in the United States in Atlanta. And I know with you being in the Caribbean, of course, you have heard everything that's going on um, in the United States, especially as it relates to racism and the Black community. Mm -hmm. It's just been really disruption in terms of a new level of awareness historically for Black cultures. Mm -hmm. So my question to you as a leader now is that how has this new awakening, even though you're connected just by water, we're connected across the water, how is this awareness or awakening of what's going on in the world right now disrupted your, your personal leadership, if any? Mm-hmm. You know, Monique, I want to step back a little bit and just to say that we in the Caribbean have perhaps we've had a period of decolonization that allowed us and and that started for me in the 70s where we started teaching about our history and looking at ourselves not just as enslaved peoples but people who had a past that was rich and i think that we through people like marcus garvey for instance in jamaica in particular strong sense of self and of activism of that self So, you know, it is such a link now with what is happening in the U.S. and, of course, in the Caribbean, the big thrust towards reparations and the need for us in the Caribbean to lead that struggle because this region is is, is literally the crucible for all of the races that were enslaved and brought out of their homeland, you know? So you have the the enslaved Africans, we have the indentured Indians, you have the the Chinese, all people, all minorities that have suffered because of racial, you know, hegemony. And so what is happening in the U.S. now? We in the Caribbean, we link into that and we see that as a vital part of the reparations movement. Because we know that what has happened to us and to our brothers and sisters, we're more linked than just by water. In the U.S. is that we have not been given a fair chance to build wealth, to build that wealth, and that is education. We have been exploited as a people and then left untold to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you have no shoes. That's what my vice chancellor says, and he is so right. You are told by the colonizers, by by the the supremacists, you're lazy and so on. Pull yourself up when there was never any investment in our education, in our development, intergenerational wealth creation, which would have lifted up our young people. So we are united in that struggle, and we see that as our struggle as well, because so many of our people live in the U.S. We are connected in so many ways. Our sisters, brothers, I have aunts, I have cousins all over the U.S., um, friends who are a part of this struggle. So we are in great solidarity with that. And what it does in terms of your leadership is that it also is very important that leaders now reflect introspectively because 
as leaders, we have to ensure that we have not played a part in our own way of reinforcing these stereotypes with the people that we lead or of not building them up. And within our own societies, we have to look at where we have adopted similar approaches to the masters of the past with how we deal with our people. And in our strange way, COVID has ripped that open for us in the Caribbean because we see the, we see the digital divide. We see those children who do not have access to computers to continue their education. We see the lack of internet access to some of them. We see the parents who can't uh, you know, afford to supervise their, their children. We see the poverty coming out that is often masked by a facade of development and progress. So I, I think that we are all in the same struggle. We may be different stages of it, but we are in the same struggle. But this is the century for change. Yes. And I mean, I'm just so excited that, you know, I, I have been living in the last two centuries, of course, this one, but this century is, is rapidly changing. In, you know, in before our eyes, in all ways, you know, the use of the virtual technology, which, you know, is, is my area, but also the awareness and the self-examination. I'll never forget, there is a documentary of James Baldwin called, I believe it's called The Fire Next Time. No, it's called I Am Not Your Nigga. Okay. That one. And in it, he says, you know, that we we won't be free as black people until white people are free too and i i think it's so profound because this struggle whether or not our uh, friends of other races do not realize it this struggle is not just about black people it's about white people and brown people and everyone recognizing that we all have to move forward together because uh, i think martin luther king said that you, you can't have justice for one. It has to be justice for all. Yes. So, you know, so once we can get that, and, and I think this is the decade of that kind of self-reflection. I saw that in the marches, you know, with, with young white youth marching side by side with Black people, recognizing that this is all of our struggle because our countries, our societies are going to decay if we continue with this division. So, Similarly, as a leader, you have to bring that down to your micro level as well. Even in your organization, you have to make sure that as a leader, you, are not, you don't have some people who are on the periphery of your organization and others who are more privileged. You have to ensure that you are really creating an equitable workplace mm. for your people. I hope wow. I answered that. Yes, my goodness. I have so many notes here. I am like, wow. First of all, that that film, I Am Not Your Nigger, and, and, and really examining the freedom, the freedom that is required for everyone in order for the progress to be made. That was one thing that really stood out to me, and as well as the introspective leadership. So making sure that even in the whole aspect of uh, what's going on, making sure that as leaders, we ourselves are not displaying the same type of oppressive behaviors or isolating okay. behaviors within the leadership space. And then the whole aspect of being 
being linked and, and having connection because our whole story is connected, even though we may not realize it. For someone like you, Dr. Lungsworth, I mean, you have obviously been really abreast and aware historically that, you know, this division is a scam. It's, it's not something that, you know, we should really buy into. And I think we were talking before where, you know, I shared some people are of that belief. We, we get it. We understand it. We have this love of self. We have gone and done the work and really understand that historically we have a lot of value. But there also are other brothers and sisters who haven't come into that uh, understanding as yet. And so that division still exists within themselves. And if you could choose one gift of education for them, what would you choose and how would you, how would you deliver this emancipation of, like Bob Marley says, mental slavery? Yes, that's a, a really tough question. But yes, if I had that sort of superpower, it really would be to, to be able to touch, in particular, our young people. And for them to be able to go back into the history and to understand why we are, how we are, and where we are. For example, the issue of crime among youth and crime among Black youth. You know, how is that influenced by the fact that we were never really um, encouraged, allowed to build strong families because that would threaten the hegemony of the, of the enslaver. You know, you, you talk about black men and, and the marginalization of black men. Look at what has caused that. A lot of our researchers in the, in the University of the West Indies have done some really good work that links that sort of history to how our people behave now. But if they don't understand that, if they are not conscious of that, then there is no possibility of correcting it. So, so yeah, my magic power would be to, to be able to just enlighten our young people in that way so that they can correct the future. For, for some of us in this age, we know it intellectually, but we may not have done a good enough job passing it on. And so that's really the passion, you know, that, that I have for working with youth in particular to help them to, to look into what has caused the behaviors and, and the, the problems that they're currently experiencing. But even if we look at something in the Caribbean, like our comorbidities, why is it that we are all, we, we have such a high level of hypertension, of diabetes, the researchers show because our DNA was changed when we were fed a diet of sugarcane and saltfish, and that has affected us 400, 500 years later, black communities as well in the U.S. We need researchers who know that history so that they can apply the science to helping us. And, and really, that, I think, is that is the true reparations that we need. We don't need, you know, a, a million dollars to be given to each community. We need education. We need health. We need to ensure that our communities are healthy and able to build the wealth that they, they will need to move forward into the future. So, yes, if I had my magic wand, it would be to transport us all back into, you know, to, to being like, 
the Christmas Carol story with the ghosts of Christmas past, <laughs> where we could just sort of stand up and say, look, that's what actually mm. happened, you know? And now I understand why I behave this way or why I think this way or why the society sees me this way. But education is the key. That is so powerful. I think I, I'm, I'm actually getting chills because I resonate so strongly with that um, answer. I feel 100% in alignment with that because it's like the genealogy research shows that, yeah, when we learn more about ourselves and we have an understanding about why we do what we do, why we behave the way we, we behave, we're now empowered with this awareness to choose a different behavior or a different outlook. And I love that analogy of that ghost of Christmas past. Okay, like, all right, everybody, let's just kind of look at this history. And what you're pulling out for us today is the importance of history and how that history really shapes the way we see ourselves and our future. But it's not just topical knowledge, it's really getting into that cells, getting into that whole awareness of, okay, why am I behaving? subconsciously this way? Where has this come from? I don't know if you have heard of Dr. Bruce Lipton, but I like his research with the science and spirituality and really understanding how we can shift our DNA. We can change our DNA. So with your magic wand, Dr. Logsworth, and you being a leader here in at the University of the West Indies, accelerating technology, accelerating awareness, how are you embedding this new or deeper level of history or or knowledge historical knowledge for the learners that are coming through your campus well as you know monique the the, the virtual environment is has been my playground for about um, 18 years and um, i was saying before that i had done research on virtual learning and virtual leadership before it was sexy and um, and now it's sort of it's it's time has come. We in the university we have purposely decolonized our curriculum. Ooh, and that's good. You just say, I, can you say that again? That's really good. <laughs> yes, we have we have intentionally decolonized our curriculum. There is still more to be done, but you know we look at at not just generic things. So in, in our campus, for example, um, we have online programs that are the sociology of the Caribbean, you know, tourism in the Caribbean. And we recognize that these areas are important for our students to learn or anyone who wants to understand the Caribbean or people of Caribbean descent because there's millions of us across the United States and, and other major cities. So our way of thinking is, 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 is shaped by our, our history and our experiences. So we have really looked at developing programs that will build that in. In fact, the university has specific requirements. You cannot graduate unless you do um, a course in Caribbean history and civilization. So from, from I was a student there, that was a requirement. And this is how you're building it. Now, we're only 70 years old. These changes are going to take another generation because it took us 500 years to be here. We have to be 
aware that even with deliberate and intentional curriculum development, training, education, it's going to take another 100 years or so to really empower. And maybe not because the virtual environment is speeding things up. And I'm happy about that because more people can now access these courses. So when we first started, these were specifically for our students in the region. But guess what? You can now go on and take any of our courses. So wherever you are in the world with this new environment, you can choose to be enlightened. You can choose to find out more about your heritage. And that's the exciting thing about the virtual environment. And, you know, I don't like the effects of COVID on our health, but one thing it has done is to open up the world. It has opened up the world to everyone. And I think people should not be afraid to step into that portal, you know, into that matrix, whatever it may be, but to be able to educate yourself from wherever yeah. you are using the virtual environment. So I think that that is, um, that is an exciting thing that we can share with the world, the, the things that we've been doing to work on ourselves in the Caribbean and see how that can help others, you know, to, to move forward as well. I love that. I love that so much. The decolonization of the curriculum is so important. I remember when I grew up in the Bahamas, I didn't, and I did schooling here in the United States. So I'll say like when I was in high school, the, what I remember is Christopher Columbus, the Arawaks and the Caribs and the Lucayans. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but when I came to the United States um, and I did ethnic studies, it actually opened my eyes to a lot of the things that were going on here for, for the Black culture in America. And it just, the travel experiences really expanded my view. So I love that that is and has been a requirement to understand the Caribbean history, decolonization, and really empowering from a, from a place of strength and not an inferiority aspect. So I wanna jump now this, to this question before we start to wrap up. So you've already talked about the virtual space and really this pioneering, you have this progressive outlook since, I don't know, you probably were born with it, <laughs> um, and really moving at lightning speed compared to a lot of other organizations, um, especially in the academic space. And, and I wanna jump now to the organizational aspect of it from a virtual leadership role, because you actually started talking about this, I think you said in 2004, right? right. This was long before Zoom existed, long before you know anyone would be talking about it. But you mentioned something about the importance of creating boundaries and how it's much more essential or, or critical now in the virtual world than, you know, in the, in the physical. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what the virtual leadership space means to you and, and what we should be focusing on and considering? Right. Well, you know, the, the truth is that the, the University of the West Indies and uh, by extension, the Caribbean, We've always had to exist in a virtual world. You know, it, we didn't have those tools and technology, but we've always had the dispersion, the geographical dispersion. And we always had to find a way to reach our people because that's our commitment. So um, I've been working in this area actually before 2004, from probably the 1980s, when we started teaching by correspondence and distance and so on to the 
islands that did not actually have a campus. In 2004, we started using the internet. And that was the beginning of online learning in the region. But what, what my research interest was, was how do you know, as a leader, navigate this environment? Because the traditional leader will have an office, will, will have staff outside, um, will be able to call face-to-face -face meetings. But a leader like myself with, you know, maybe 500 full-time staff and another 2,000 part-time staff with 20,000 students in, in 25 to 30 countries. How do I build culture? How do we as leaders build an organization that has that kind of dispersion? And uh, so I did research in this area. And some of the, the, the findings way back when in sort of 2008, 2010, were that this environment is a, a leveler and, and that's wonderful because organizations have to, to, to break down their hierarchy in order to respond agilely and so on. And the environment allows for that. But it also creates a challenge for leadership because there it is more difficult to establish boundaries. And it seems like an oxymoron to say that you want boundaries in a boundaryless world, right? Because that's what everybody wants. But the truth is that the boundaries are what will make the boundaryless world work well. So I'll give you an example of what some of my research showed. It showed that from cleaner to president can access each other through an email. But does that make the organization more efficient? Not necessarily, because if the cleaner writes to the president and overlooks her supervisor, and then the president has to go down into the organization to reach the supervisor, then it slows things down. That's, that's one thing. But in terms also of your own effectiveness, your own mental health, I coach um, quite a lot of people, and since COVID, they, are, they were used to a physical environment and their challenge has been in that creation of boundaries. So no time for lunch, you know, so normally they would have gone in at eight o'clock in the morning and left at five o'clock, but now they're sitting in their homes and there is this total merger of the boundaries of work and home, creating psychosocial issues, serious psychosocial issues for people. And, I, and this is where the research shows that, yes, you need to still have those boundaries. You need to still take a lunch break. You need to still take your vacation, even if you're working in a virtual environment where you feel, you know, I, I may have on my jacket, but I have my shorts on. <laughs> so, um, but you, you need to create those boundaries still, and you need to be more intentional because the virtual environment allows for that, you know, that, that sort of mobility, that movement between worlds. But we also have to make sure that we are protecting ourselves, our staff, our students, who will feel the pressure from, from those, the erosion of those boundaries. And some boundaries are good. I, I'm very happy with any student being able to write to me. 
um, you know, I may not still not be able to help them, but I'm happy because it gives me a, a global vision of what's going on in my campus. So that's beautiful. But again, it can be a bit too much yeah. if, if you are trying to, to work, you know, 15 hours a day before a, a Zoom room and you are not taking breaks and you're not taking vacations and so on. So those, those boundaries, establishment of boundaries in this environment is very important and organizational leaders have to recognize that and be cautious as to what their expectations of their employees are. Well, so, you know, you can't say, well, you're, you're at home working, so why can't I get you, you know, anytime I call you, you should be sitting in front of your computer. No, that can't be the expectation. The world has to now change to results orientation, to saying, well, you know, I don't know where you are and, and I don't care. And that's how I am with my staff. I don't really care if you're sitting at your desk or not. I know that we need 10 programs at the end of the semester to be produced. Have you produced 10 programs? Perfect. That's the, that's the outcome we need. We can't hold people more to sort of physical, you know, um, areas of, of, um, of commitment. But I think that our virtual environment is going to spawn a, a different type of leadership. We have found that leaders are now reaching out more to their staff. They are more into finding out about their, their situation because they recognize that the bottom line depends on that. It depends on that. And in a way, we're being forced to be empathetic and to care. <laughs> and I to agree. Care. I agree. You know, wow. Wow, 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 Dr. Longsworth. Seriously. First of all, 18,000 people emailing you. I don't know if I can, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that, but that just speaks volumes to your leadership that you're open to anyone being able to, to reach out. And I'm sure everyone's not going to be emailing, you know, like that, Sometimes. but maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I think too, that it's just really for being in the Caribbean, there is this viewpoint that, wow, the Caribbean leaders are really not as, as progressive and standing up to the way things are changing. But like I told everyone when we first started, you know, you are definitely a progressive leader and definitely the type of leader we want to follow and take guidance from. And I think you having you guide your staff through the same uh, vision and through the same expectations of focusing on results and not micromanaging or having those type of behaviors stems to what you were kind of exposed to growing up with your mom and your grandmother. There's so much of the behaviors from our childhood that influence our leadership style, you know, um, and, and I think just having that connection very clearly laid out for people to hear and to understand is, is crucial. You said several, several words throughout this conversation, specifically around being intentional and deliberate. And I want our listeners to make sure that you caught those words because from, from being intentional about your education, intentional about decolonizing the curriculum, intentional about expectations for your staff, intentional about your boundaries in the virtual world. If there's nothing else that our listeners take today, I want them to walk away with getting that powerful nugget you have dropped for us on really being intentional and choosing to learn about our history. Dr. Logsworth, I just cannot thank you enough for sharing your wisdom and your guidance with us today. 
Um, do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with our audience? With, I just want to thank you for having me, Monique. It, it's so it's so refreshing to have this kind of conversation with you know with someone like yourself who is intentional about getting the message out. And I think to the audience, um, you know, I say it to everyone: just keep learning. Don't don't stop. Don't stop learning. Um, you know, keep digging. Keep finding out. Uh, something else about yourself, something else about your community. And believe me, they say, without knowing your past, you know, you are doomed to repeat it. I believe that. And we can't afford to keep on this cycle. We have to break out of this cycle for our children and for the future. Absolutely. 100%. And so there you have it, everyone. Make sure that you subscribe. You can listen to this episode in Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, on my website, clearcommunicationsolutions.com. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clearcommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.